ESPN Audio and SC Featured presents a 16-episode podcast, Pin Kings. It's the story of two All-American high school wrestlers, teammates, and friends who ultimately ended up on the opposite sides of the war on drugs. Pin Kings is for mature audiences. Welcome to Episode 14, Back to Work. What was Pablo Escobar like? Pablo Escobar was a shorty, chubby guy. This is Felix Chitiva, a former high-ranking Colombian smuggler. I saw him like, he was decent, but I knew he wasn't decent. He would just talk nice and never use a cursing word if he doesn't have to. If he's with his people, I bet you he was doing that. But, uh, you know, he's always like acting like a businessman. From what I heard the whole time, I knew he wasn't none of that. He was an evil. He was a devil. Kevin and Alex were best friends. Champion wrestling buddies. The heydays of Miami. Alex Tacubis was clearly a kingpin. It's a, it's a tragic story. The less you know, the more you leave. I wanted to take out the biggest drug dealers. If they were catching me, going away for the rest of his life if they don't kill him when they try to capture him. Could you imagine if Kevin has to shoot Alex? He's a sworn federal agent for a drug enforcement agency. Evil goes to jail or evil ends up dead. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. I'm John Fish, a television producer for ESPN Sports Center, And I'm Brett Forrest, a senior writer at ESPN The Magazine. At the end of the last episode, we left Alex on a hilltop prison. Jorge Henico has kidnapped him, holding him for a $25 million debt. He's held in an open-air patio with a high wall, broken glass on top of the wall, a few guys guarding Alex, and every night before they lock him up in a steel cell, they would watch a Colombian soap opera, telenovela. Jorge Henico the guy who's holding Alex for ransom, he shows up once in a while, and he brings Alex out to his car. He has a phone in the car. And this is 1991, and the, the car phone was at the forefront of technology in Colombia. Henico sits there while Alex makes calls to Florida, trying to track down the guy who stole the 800 kilos of cocaine. But as the weeks go by, it's becoming clear to Alex that he's not going to find this guy at least not sitting in Colombia. And he also knows that he's not going to give Henico $25 million. But he's locked up. He's been there a month and a half by this point, And he's starting to think about the photos that Henico used to show him. The pictures of guys who had been tortured, guys who were about to be killed. And Alex realizes, hey, I need to escape. So one night, while the guards are watching the soap opera, they start falling asleep. And remember, Alex is an all-American athlete. He backs up to the edge of one wall, he races across the patio, and he leaps at the far wall. He has his leather jacket in his hand, protecting his hands from the glass on top of the wall. He lifts himself up and chucks himself over the wall. He tumbles down a cliff, and there's a road at the bottom of the cliff. It's nighttime. He sees a car approaching. It's a taxi. Alex hops inside, and he gets out of there. He's Kate. This is Felix Chitiva, one of Alex's smuggling partners, who is back in Colombia at this point. All I heard is that he was watching that every Sunday, the guys that was watching over him, 
you know, after like a month, they really like him. He's a nice guy. So he's watching that the, the, the get so concentrated in a Colombian soap opera, Carlos Vives. So now he, he analyzed, he's a smart guy, and left and flee. The next thing, he calls me, and we got together again. Alex makes his way to Medellin, where Felix has set up shop. Now, Medellin... In 1991-1992 is the most violent city in the world. Here's Paul Pelletier, the federal prosecutor who handled the Decubus case. After Pablo Escobar sort of took over Congress very violently and killed people, they abandoned their extradition treaty with the United States because they were worried about what they called the extraditables, which Pablo Escobar was one of them. He didn't want to be extradited. At the time, he and all of the major Colombian drug traffickers were basically controlled Colombia. Escobar was also locked in a deadly war with the Cali cartel. Bodies are piling up everywhere you looked, so Alex shows up in this environment of total chaos. And he fits right in. Because remember, the Colombians needed a guy like Alex to get the load in. This is Felix Chitiva. Transportation. That's where the money was for us. So 1991, at the end, like in November... I met this guy, Luis Ramirez, Mickey Ramirez, like a big guy. He was working for Fernando Galeano, one of the biggest, biggest Medellin cartel. When I met Fernando Galeano, he says, you're ready to work? He said, yes, I'm ready to work, okay. Uh, how do you like uh, 2,000 kilos to start? I said, fine. And then three days later, we're shipping the first uh, airplane with 500 kilos to Bahamas, bombing. So you basically just call all your old people and say, we're back in business. We never lost in contact with the distributors. So let's just be clear here. Alex and Felix are in Medellin, and they start working directly for the Medellin cartel, for Pablo Escobar. But Escobar, by this point, has changed his tactics a bit. Here's Felix again. Pablo Escobar. But he was anything but not a drug dealer. I learned that the person that used to be controlling the drugs for him was his cousin, Gustavo Gaviria. But he was anything you name. He was like this guy over here. Uh, as a matter of fact, that was his idol. Uh, what's the biggest Italian guy over here? Al Capone. And he's into extortions and kidnapping. And whoever doesn't give him money from what he heard that he scored, they grab him, kill him, take everything from them. Pablo Escobar was he was big. But the biggest I learned that the biggest thing that he used to do was evil. It was kidnapping and extortion. It was more than that than, than, than drugs. It just intimidated everybody. Everybody had to pay the fee. Other than that, you get kidnapped and killed. Alex and Felix know they have to pay homage. And they knew where to go. Escobar had made a deal with the government. He agreed to turn himself in and to house himself in a prison. And this was a prison of one. It was called La Catedral, the cathedral. It was a jail made just for Pablo Escobar. And he ran it. Felix goes to La Cathedral. They sneak him past the guards in the transport truck. And he comes face to face with the man himself. Felix introduces himself to Escobar. He tells him about the operations that he's been running with Alex. Escobar waves him off. I hear about you. you. You're good people. Felix continues. Boss, I want to tell you what I'm doing, how much money I'm going to give you every time that we score. He goes, no, you don't have to do that. Whatever you want to give to the organization is fine. He goes, okay. 
So he asked me for an explanation or nothing. So I gave him like $150,000 in like four, three more times. I gave him like, and then he was happy with us. But things were about to change in a big way. In 1992, Escobar escaped from La Catedral. And now it was all out war with the government again. And since Escobar was now vulnerable, the traffickers he had been extorting got an idea. Several of them formed a group called Los Pepes. This group went around killing associates of Escobar's, amping up the pressure on him. And they did something even more important. They started feeding the government information about Escobar, where the police might find him. Alex and Felix were associated with Los Pepes. Instead of feeding money to Escobar, they were now giving money to Los Pepes. And on December 2nd, 1993, the Colombian police finally caught up with Escobar, gunning him down on a rooftop in Medellin. It's startling when you think about how far Alex had come. This all-American athlete, this good kid from Miami, Alex DeCubis had a hand in the death of the biggest drug lord of all time. So what happens next? Alex goes into hiding, and at some point, he reemerges. He's kind of freed up, and he starts working with all kinds of people. And he really expands his reach. The operation with David Lemieux didn't stop Alex from going to Europe. So he goes to the UK, to Spain. He even sends a freighter into the Mediterranean. Remember the old freighter schemes with Julio Nasser? This time into the Mediterranean, when he lands a load in Greece. He really becomes the guy for the cartels. And his life in Colombia just gets wilder and wilder. He's got tons of money. Millions of dollars in cash floating around. 7,000 different names. Yeah. You know, I think he's, he's got like five different homes in Medellin at this point. He's sleeping here and there every, every night. He's got a, another motorcycle, a Harley. He's got all these girlfriends. He hops on the Harley, puts a girl on the back. He would jam a bottle of Jack Daniels between his legs in the gas tank and just, just let it ride. Rolling around Colombia. I mean, this, this was the life of an outlaw. And he's making a ton of money. He's churning through millions of dollars. He's five houses in Medellin, as you mentioned. And an old associate was about to come back into his life. Here's Felix Chitiba. So he was driving a beautiful 750 BMW in Bogota and things like that. And somehow, some friends of Jorge Jerico find out that he's doing a lot of money, that he's rich, and told him. Somehow he kidnapped him in Medellin and brought it all the way to Santa Marta. After he had escaped from Jorge Henico outside Bogota, Alex actually made up with the guy. All Henico ever really wanted was access to Alex's transportation and distribution network in the U.S. The two of them would even go, go on that they would hang out together. Henico would invite Alex to his wife's birthday party. He'd, uh, he'd brag about Alex at, at, at parties with friends. You know, he said, hey, this is my, my uh, big-time smuggler buddy. Now Henneco hears that Alex is doing really well again, and he wants a piece of the action. And Jorge Henneco, he only had one way of doing things, through force. So his guys kidnapped Alex in Medellin in 1995. They drug him, they throw him in the back of a car, they drive through the night north to Santa Marta on the coast. They throw Alex in a small room in a shack not far from the ocean, but it wasn't like last time. Now he has a small bed, a barred window, and a barrel that he can use to relieve himself. So let's be clear, he's kidnapped again. Again, by the same guy. Yeah. But they weren't going to let him escape this time. So they chain him to the wall by his ankle. 
and he's there for more than 40 days. When I learned he was kidnapped, I went to Santa Marta and I went to the riot. I said, why did you kidnap this guy? Well, oh, remember, everything was square. We did work for you. Everything went down. That was it. Yeah, but he's, I heard he's doing money. Yeah, we always have money. We're, what's new here? Well, he's got to pay me. He goes, but this is not fair, Jorge. The deal was work. The work didn't work because we don't know how. And that's it. And we don't owe you nothing. We never stole anything from you. He goes, well, let's set it up. Give me $500,000. We'll leave it like that. Finally, Alex would get away, but Henico would meet a very dark ending. Later on, I learned I was in jail when they killed him, that uh, the paramilitarians killed him really badly. This is Felix Chetiva. Cut his throat, pull out his tongue, and tie it up from a cut, and, and drag him all for I don't know how many miles, and then and they make a big cape, put his four or five bodyguards together with him, and bury it, and disappear him. But somehow, somebody found one of the arms out of whatever the hole was. I don't remember the story. And they found all the bodies, and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't even bury him with an open cast because he was already all messed up. That was the end of that bad guy. And the whole time while Alex is down there in Colombia, his friends in law enforcement back in Florida, they haven't forgotten about him. Here's Paul Pelletier. It was very, very difficult to operate in Colombia. The law enforcement, most of the law enforcement was corrupt. So even if you did find him, and a couple of times we thought we had him, we would send people in to the addresses, he'd be gone. We thought that he had been tipped off. So there were a number of attempts to capture him in Colombia that, that proved unsuccessful, and we thought he was tipped off by law enforcement. Leading the effort to find him was DEA and the United States Marshal Service. I want to say that for a long time, it was all-consuming. When I say all-consuming is that there wasn't a week that went by for a long period of time that I didn't think of ways to get Alex and my law enforcement partners. We wanted to get Alex because he was a local boy gone bad and he was continuing to send drugs both into the United States and Europe. I'm not exactly sure why the U.S. government cared so much, but I cared so much and I cared so much because number one, he had done some very bad things as it relates to drug trafficking. He was continuing to do it and I wanted to put a stop to it along with my law enforcement partners. From the United States perspective, I'm sure they cared about that too. He was the, so to speak, kingpin in the United States of that organization is a huge thing. From the perspective of, of my job, which is taking down the entire organization, you can't do that until you have him in jail. Thank you for listening to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. You can follow Pin Kings on Twitter at ESPN Pin Kings. That's at ESPN Pin Kings. A preview of the next episode follows this message. Next on Pin Kings, episode 15, Washed and Dried. He was a prototype agent. He had the best blend of the capability, the physical, the mental agility, but also the head and the heart. When we say laundering money, you're legitimizing someone's funds. Guys would go buy a Ferrari, Tesla, Porsche, whatever. They would pay cash. They would be egg carton baskets into the dealership and literally throw $150,000 in fives out. New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Houston. Street corners, shopping malls, Burger King, a duffel bag, a backpack, anywhere from $250,000 to $2 million. 
I heard him mention the name Alex Dacubas. Kind of sat up in my chair. Find out if that's the Cuban guy from Miami, Alex Dacubas. Don't miss an episode. You can listen and subscribe to the Pin Kings podcast in the ESPN app or download and listen on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts.